Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Umarpreneur Live podcast, where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs that are change makers, that are building amazing businesses, that are making a positive impact. And today I have with me a very great guest that I'm really excited to bring on, Brother Ali Jeffrey. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Welcome on the podcast. Wa alaikum assalam, Brother Abi. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of your work. So alhamdulillah, it's great that we can we can connect today. Definitely. I'm, I'm really, really excited for what we're about to talk about and just, you know, sharing your business in general with my audience, what it is that you're working on. I think what you're doing is amazing uh, and needs more attention and more awareness and more support, inshallah. So I'm really excited to dive into all of that. And for uh, those of you uh, who don't know uh, Ali Jaffrey, so Ali Jaffrey is the founder of Strong Support. And Strong Support is a peer support organization for Muslims who struggle with their sexuality. However, they do not accept or identify with a stereotyped sexual identity, and they wish to live a God-centric life. And Strong Support was established in 2019 to support Muslims that are struggling with same-sex same sex lust um, and to provide an information platform for friends and families of those struggling with this topic within the Muslim Ummah. And I think that's a very important, uh, important topic to talk about on the podcast, one that we should be more open in discussing uh, because it's very often one that is taboo in our community, uh, one that people are afraid to speak of, one that, you know, they're like, oh, should we, you know, sometimes people like to pretend like the problem doesn't exist. Um, and I don't even, you know, like to call it a problem, let's say, but, you know, they, they like to pretend things don't exist uh, rather mm -hmm. than address them head on. And I think that's where, you know, for, for Muslims who might be struggling with these issues, they might feel like they're left out. They might feel like they're not understood. Uh, no one recognizes them. And then that might actually end up, you know, uh, um, making them kind of, uh, turn away from the religion, uh, per se. Right. Um, and kind of create a, a negative, uh, backlash and reaction. So I'm really excited to talk about all of these things with you today, brother Adi, why you created strong support, what motivated you to do this inshallah. And I think that the best place to start really is, uh, maybe if you can share with us the journey that inspired you to become an entrepreneur, to create, to create strong support in the first place, if that's okay. Hmm. Uh, absolutely. And thank you for that introduction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like most entrepreneurs, we just get frustrated with things, right? <laughs> and we're like, okay, there's no change. Nothing's happening in the community. Something needs to be done. And it was the same for me. So I struggled with my uh, sexuality for, since I was um, 12, you know, at puberty, that's the time most Muslims are, you know, like um, going through faith, going through mm -hmm. puberty. And at that time, there wasn't a support system uh, which would say, oh, if you're if you're having these feelings, if you're having same sex feelings, then this is what you need to do. And it was uh, I knew the Islamic ruling. It was very, very clear, but I didn't actually have any practical ways of living my life. Will I get married? Uh, will someone accept me? Will these attractions go away? how do I get help? You know, I was in complete darkness. And um, I was only um, at 23 uh, when I started taking counseling and started opening up about this issue that I was then able to find help. Um, but I still had a lot of anger at the Muslim community that there was absolutely next to nothing uh, in in terms of support. Um, so I had the plan that, alhamdulillah, once I do get better or I can, I would start something to help people. And so people don't really went through some of the pain and the difficulty that I went in, in finding support. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And uh, you, you essentially what you did is you went through an experience and I think that's where all business, if we were to boil it down from an entrepreneurship standpoint yeah. and that most entrepreneurs that build great businesses, really all it ends up being is that they went through a certain experience and they realized that there was a need, there was a gap that was not being filled. Um, and then they decided, well, you know what, let me see if I can fill that gap. And I'm really, really glad that Alhamdulillah, we have Muslims like yourself uh, and people like yourself, entrepreneurs like yourself, who see those things and take action and try to fill those gaps because a lot of people go through those experiences in life and it's just an experience like anything else, right? We might tell ourselves, well, 
you know, oh, I have this problem. I can't really find a great solution. Eh, it's okay. You know, whatever. Maybe, maybe next time, you know. Uh, but the entrepreneurs are the ones who say, no, I want to do something about that. I want to make a change. I want to see if I can, you know, I don't want someone else to go through what I went through. Um, so, you know, when you, when you decided to actually build this system, and I want to actually, one thing that you mentioned to me and that I read on your website, I would actually like to bring up on this conversation. Where does the name strong support come from? So um, it, it's it's funny because um, I, I I did a lot of self work for myself in this area, and uh, I even went to US. I went to a retreat in US, and during that time, this verse in the Quran, um, it's uh, in chapter eleven, Surah Al Hud, verse eighty. Um, it just kept coming. I don't know why. You know, sometimes Allah speaks to you in terms of verses, and that mm-hmm. just kept coming. And it's at the point where Prophet Lu is uh, facing these people who want to barge his house, basically. And um, he prays to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, if I had any power or any strong support against these individuals, and when I read that verse, it kind of, you know, I was like, I'm in the same position where I'm facing these desires. They're come, you know, they're metaphorically breaking through the door and I'm looking mm-hmm. for that strong support. And of course, um, Prophet Lu alayhi salam had um, Jibrail, he had Gabriel who was there, but he didn't, he didn't know at that time that um, the support was there. So strong support is uh, basically um, taken from the verse Rukun and Shadid in, in the Quran um, to uh, describe the work. And the work that we do is God-centric. Um, it is driven by the values of the Quran, uh, the values of Islam. And um, I, I just really connected with that verse. And then, we, you know, I decided to make it strong support for a support organization for, for mm-hmm. Muslims. That's a beautiful way. Well, that's a beautiful story and a beautiful source uh, for the name of your business and a beautiful way to come up with a name for this uh, organization that you're building, mashallah. And then you proceeded to launch the business. You proceeded to, of course, go and build this. And then when you found a gap and you decided you want to help others that are going through the same thing, what is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome so far in building strong support and launching strong support and trying to provide this help to to Muslims around the world? I think um, there's a lot of confusion in the sexuality narrative and the voices that we only hear are one-sided. So, um, you know, so if, for example, if I come in and like strong support does and say, you know, there is another way um you know for people who are looking there is another path for them to explore opposite sex attractions Mm -hmm. uh if they want to if that's what they want to be doing um and in a in a western backdrop it's easy for us to be misunderstood it's easy for us to be hailed as anti-lgbt or anti this community uh so i think the biggest issue that we've um is is marketing Probably, how do we market uh, a God-centric view of sexuality without um, there that we're, you know we're not there to uh, put someone down or be anti someone or show hatred? So I think that's been the biggest challenge in terms of marketing, and it's a beautiful thing that um, I said to a friend. And uh, they said, well, oh, Ali, how did we meet? And we didn't meet through. Because when we we found support, it was almost like we were searching for it. And then in Google, we found something. So it wasn't something we found on social media. It wasn't a Facebook advert. It was in the social media advert. You know, the normal marketing streams um, that, that we got. And most of the people who, who come to us, um, they're like, oh, a friend told me or oh, this uh, imam told me, and it's through word of mouth that um, are, you know, kind of, and we get people literally all over the world. I was just speaking to mm-hmm. someone in Tanzania. Uh, we're speaking to people from India. 
um, I have a call later with someone in Egypt. So it's it's literally um, worldwide um, mm -hmm. kind of the reach. It is. I mean, of course they would be because it's not a problem that's localized to a certain country. It's a human. It's a human. I, I, and I, again, I don't like calling it a problem, but it's a, it's a human um, condition, right? Mm -hmm. um, that many human beings go through from all over the world. It's, it's, not, it's not something that should be, um, you know, reserved to a single country or, you know, a, a specific demographic. And I think um, I really like the fact that you are, you know, open to helping people from all over the world, which is beautiful. And that also comes with, you know, the beauty of online business and the fact that we're able to do this. Now, mm -hmm. you right now, uh, Michelle, with, with strong support, what are the ways that you are providing support for your clients and what, and what is the process that you go through with their, with your clients in general, for those who come to you, um, you know, with these concerns and these challenges that they're going through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I've been really grateful that there were existing systems. So the Christian community has done a lot of work uh, around this. You know, you have a lot of organizations and I studied their framework. I studied their model, um, mm -hmm. you know, so, we found um, even in my own work that group work was a lot effective in this uh, when people, as opposed to, we offer one-to-one -one, um, coaching and we have referrals to counseling as well. But one of the things where we saw major growth was group work where um, clients would come in and not only would they talk about themselves, they could see how other people in the group with similar issues were progressing. And that had a huge effect in terms of reducing shame, reducing the thinking of I'm the only one with this issue. Um, and, you know, it was also a place for them to share their progress, be accountable if they're uh, trying to leave certain unwanted behaviors um, and really, uh, create friendships within that group, uh, create a sense of uh, companionship. Um, so there's a lot of advantages of uh, a group work and a group model. And that's why we, uh, alhamdulillah, we have uh, a, a men's circle, uh, we have a women's circle, and we also had a growing number of uh, uh, Muslims from Arab-speaking countries. So we also had uh, have now an Arabic circle. And then recently, um, our uh, research showed that there was a huge uh, demographic which we weren't hitting, uh, which was parents. So parents mm -hmm. of um, people struggling where their child may have gone off the rails or, mm -hmm. or, or even if they're just unsure of how to deal with um a child which is showing um you know sexuality or gender conflict uh to mm. have that a space and that support for them um mm. so it's 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 like you say as 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 we've we've started we're learning to what the needs of the ummah is you know what what is it that actually people need at the time and finding that gap those gaps where there isn't any support um, and, and trying to trying to offer something. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question that's a, um, a little bit of a, of a more uh, more difficult question because it's not related to entrepreneurship, but it's one that I'm curious about. What mm -hmm. would you say to someone who uh, who's listening to this, who says, well, Adi, you know, I really appreciate everything that you're doing and it's really cool. But, you know, this is something that I was born with. Um, and, and, you know, it's not something that I can really change, even with support and everything else. I want to live a God-centric life. I, I understand that, you know, the, this goes against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to do. I was born this way. Why would Allah, you know, um, you know, you know, create me and, 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 and give me these feelings? You know, and I'm asking you this because I feel like a lot of people who go through this might have those same thoughts. What would you say to people going through that? Absolutely. That's a, that's a brilliant question. Thank you. Um, I had the exact same thoughts. You know, I, mm -hmm. um, when I struggled, I didn't tell anybody for 11 years. I knew um, from 
you know, 12 that I had these feelings and um, I didn't choose to have these feelings. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. Um, and I struggled with my faith. Why would Allah create me this way? Why would Allah, you know, put this as a test? He could have tested me with anything else. Why is he testing me with this? Um, and I know when I was, you know, like five or very, very young, I had a disconnect with men I, from, from a very earlier um, age on. And so as, as early as I can remember, I, I felt different. I felt that, you know, I wasn't one of the boys. So I can completely and completely understand when people say, well, I was born with it, you know, because that did make sense to me. But my my intellectual self couldn't reconcile that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would create someone like that and then punish them when, when they've been created that way. Um, so I think one of the myths, and there's three big myths which uh, exist in this uh, field. Uh, and the first one of them is that we're born straight or we're born gay, that, you know, we're inherently born with a sexual orientation. That's a huge myth. Uh, sexual development occurs, is a, is a developmental thing. It occurs through the environment. The uh, largest study uh, done by Garner, which looked at about uh, uh, just under half a million genome studies, the largest genome study in the world published, um, you know, published in Harvard, published many studies, proved that there was no gay gene. They looked at different biomarkers which were present, but there wasn't a gene that predetermined our sexuality. And that makes sense from science as something that we develop, uh, you know, uh, as, as we grow up, we develop our sense of identity. Um, and I think uh, the other uh, myth is that sexuality doesn't change or you know, sexuality is fixed and it doesn't change. And we know um, through the work of sexual fluidity, which a lot of psychologists have done in the APA, um, work of Lisa Diamond, there's a lot of work done on sexual fluidity. And that shows you, you know, we, we see this in media, people say, oh, I announce I'm, I'm, I'm gay now, for example. And you're like, well, what was happening before? So they, they experience uh, sexual fluidity. And the third myth is that anybody who tries to do this in a therapeutic or a coaching space ends up with a lot of harm or there's a lot of suicidality. Um, we're actually having a, a webinar, uh, our next webinar, is with um, uh, someone who's done uh, years of work, which they finally published this year. They followed about 75 men, seven of which were Muslim, across two years. And after each session, they would fill this questionnaire. So it was a very heavy uh, research. It was peer-reviewed, and it's been published in the Journal of Human Sexuality. And it shows categorically that people who enter therapy have reduced their same-sex attraction, increased their opposite same-sex attraction, and generally have positive outcomes after the therapy. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of talk around this that, you, you know, like these three things, you're born with it, you can't change, and if you're trying to change, you're going to bring harm. And these, unfortunately, are all myths uh, which, which are perpetrated by by the media mm. Mm. i want to ask you another question um that's related to this topic what would you say um because i, I feel like right now with um with with the current age that we live in there is very much uh widespread pornography addiction that is not mm -hmm. talked about not only within the non-muslim community but even within the muslim communities behind closed doors and I'm really glad that we're having a frank conversation like this on this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully people will be open enough to listen to it fully and really take it in and understand it. But would you say that there are, you know, that the, 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 the current widespread availability of pornography is contributing 
or could potentially contribute to aggravating these challenges that people might go through? Absolutely. I mean, for me, um, you know, when I had the desires, the first thing I went was, well, what is it? And I went in Google and I said, men like men. I remember uh, putting that in because I just didn't understand what it was. And then the pictures come up, you know, because obviously, uh, and then you're hooked. And as men, we are visual, uh, you know, Allah's created in a, in a way that we're visual. Our brains are um, the hypothalamus, for example, is, is, is created in a way that we're drawn visually to things. Um, and uh, pornography, you know, back in the day, it was Google Images, for example. I remember when, when I was kind of looking at it, or you wouldn't really have that many, that many videos. Now, uh, it's literally, if you're on social media, Twitter, you search for something and suddenly without you even knowing there's pornography there, right? And it's not like you're actively searching for it. So it's become uh, available in everywhere, you know? Um, and uh, again, we had on our uh, webinar, we had a great work that um, Bumusa from my Taskia is doing, Radwail Ibrahim uh, from... Uh, Australia, who's a coach, has trained loads of coach on, coaches on these issues uh, in Muslim communities. And I think it's a reality, you know, such as um, uh, sexuality and gender conflict is a reality today. Pornography is also a reality. And, um, you know, uh, once for, for me, when I started doing my own work, uh, to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to do jihad al-nafs, I, I recognized I needed practical solutions to pornography, you know. So uh, these support mechanisms which call on an accountability partner, they call on um, understanding what the core needs is. What are we running away from? Pornography is an escapism. What are we escaping from uh, from the and it's really getting very honest with ourselves and saying, okay, Allah's created that sexual need within us. How can I meet that need in a halal way? How can I meet those needs of an emotion in a halal way? Am I bored when I'm watching the pornography? What state am I when I'm when I'm doing this? You know, what uh, can I put my um, laptop or things in a public space where some of the practical things which I can be doing um, and and just creating those safe spaces uh, where, you know, pornography is something that it's a challenge for everyone. I don't think anybody would say it's, it's not a challenge for them. And it's just having that honesty. You know, the prophet was known to be a sadiq. He was a mean, he was truthful. And people, people came to him for everything. If you see the ahadith, if you see the the graphic details in the ahadith we have and people were very very honest because you know there was there was no you know no sense of judgment and i think you know in the muslim community unfortunately we're drowning in judgment we're drowning in shame we're drowning in saying oh i don't want anyone to know i'm i'm, I'm struggling um and i think slowly when we open topics when we have open topics like this and we say you know it's okay it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say you're struggling. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. One thing that I also want to bring up in regards to the same topic is that, um, you know, for, for many people and you, you can, I want you to actually tell me if this is the case or not, but have you ever gotten people who have come to you and who have who were essentially straight their entire lives, but because of pornography addiction, and we all know how that goes, where it starts off vanilla, and then it gets worse and worse and you know people need more and more hardcore material because they're just kind of used to the vanilla stuff right mm -hmm. have you ever gotten people who have come to you and who essentially they they were straight their entire lives and and they've kind of gone through a journey of pornography addiction and then that has led them to then start exploring some some of that like you know same sex attraction and you know, I, I, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I was doing some research before this episode and that was one of the things that came up. And what I realized and what I saw, um, because honestly, 
I truly can see that pornography addiction is a widespread problem in our community and not just in our community, just in, in the world in general right now um, that we don't talk about enough. And, you know, shout out to Abu Musa, mashallah. He was part of our entrepreneur group like way back when it started with my Taskia and what he does is, is phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, he's tackling a very important issue. And what I'm seeing that people want to talk about is that, you know, the dangers of pornography addiction that people don't know is that that's the thing you it gets you have to you have to essentially keep going into more and more hardcore stuff to to to, to essentially be satisfied until a point where you will start to explore these things that in, originally you weren't even interested in. Have you ever spoken to people like this who have experienced this path? Absolutely. So we ha we've had people come in with um, oh suddenly I'm having these feelings now and they haven't had these feelings you know before um in in terms of same-sex attraction you sometimes have the traditional model where uh the child has trauma or they have a disconnect and then in puberty they have um same-sex attraction like like i did but you have a growing number of cases where um because of the open access of um immorality or what the quran would call fahisha um mm -hmm you have, um, as, as you say, uh, the brain wants uh, a higher level of dopamine each each time, you know, they're, they're exposed to it. And because it's we're, as men, we're visual, uh, once we've seen something, then the, you know, dopamine is, is maxed out and then your uh, brain wants to see something else and things that we would never think that we would enjoy uh, or have pleasure in uh you know uh, deep deeper down the rabbit hole you find oh actually i'm attracted to that or i'm or i'm you know so the visual imagery of the pornography is very focused on um the body parts right it's focused on the body parts it devoids uh any type of love any type of uh you know kind of meaning and when you see something uh, very visually or you see some things for just their body parts for example it gives you a, uh, it warps your understanding of what relationships are and what intimacy is so uh, because of this so for example if if I have an attraction towards the same sex and there can be multiple reasons why you may develop an attraction towards the same sex you then feed that attraction because of the easy access to pornography. And I think the way that we are um, is that we identify ourselves too quickly. Oh, I'm getting an erection by pornography, by seeing this man. Oh, does this mean I'm gay? You know, mm. suddenly something has happened, an erection has happened, and suddenly we've taken a whole identity upon us. Um, and, 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 and this is why there's a lot of confusion. At Strong Support, we don't believe there's such thing as straight or such thing as gay. Uh, the Quran does not talk about heterosexuality or homosexuality. The Quran talks about desires, you know, shahwat, for example. And shahwa can be towards um, a woman or it could be towards a man. It could be towards the opposite sex or, 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 or the same sex. Um, so I think our understanding of uh, sexuality needs to be understood Islamically in, um, in terms of understanding that if you have a desire or a desire is different from an act or a behavior, I can be attracted to something, but I may act in a certain way. And then similarly, my identity would be different. Because, you know, when we say I'm gay, we're putting three things yeah. into one. We're putting the desire, the act, and the identity in mm -hmm. in into one conglomerate when they're when they're different things. Identity is a very powerful thing, right? And when we when we take up an identity, we then start to embrace all aspects of what we believe that identity is. And it's funny that you're saying that because I was just thinking about that this morning, subhanAllah, <laughs> um, um, about the power of identity. Because I was thinking about like setting my New Year's goals and, um, you know, what I, the things that I wanted to do more of next year, things like I wanted to read more. And there was, you know, 
be more a little bit more strict with my workout routine and things like that um and i was i was uh, remembering this book that i had read i believe it's called atomic habits um forgetting the name of the author um mm -hmm. but it, you know the book is about atomic habits if you guys want to search it it's a great book it teaches you how to implement habits in your life and you know step-by-step -step manner and one of the mm -hmm. things that the author says in the book is essentially how you know if you really want to implement a habit in your life and you really want to not only make it in a way where you know okay i'm someone who's not a you know who's trying to read you know let's say five minutes a day ten minutes a day it's much more powerful to actually shift your identity and say i'm a reader i'm someone who reads and because i'm someone who reads well i read every day is just what i do and, it, and it's a it might it might seem like a very small difference it might seem like a very small change mentally but the power of shifting that identity you know, causes a, a dramatic change in, in the way that, are, that we view things and in the way that our, that our brain makes those connections. And so, for example, instead of saying, you know, oh, yeah, I'm trying to take up running every day, you know, I'm overweight, I'm trying to lose weight, you know, it's much more powerful to say, well, I'm a runner and to take that up as an identity. And, you know, what, what, what does a runner do? What does a runner, um, you know, uh, you know what, are, what is the gear that you have? What is it that you're wearing when you go out? You, it could be small things like this, but it actually, you know, it makes a difference where you feel like you start to, you know, reinforce that identity that I'm a runner. And when you, when you have an identity, it be, the rest becomes easy, right? It's not an effort anymore because it's just like, this is who I am. And it's, we might not even realize that we do this, for example, People might say, you know, people, for example, have anger issues um, and they're like, you know, I have outbursts. Uh, they have outbursts of anger. Uh, you know, they might justify it just by saying, well, um, you know, I'm, uh, um, you know, my identity is I'm someone who gets angry easily. I get angry easily. Don't make me angry. You know, okay, cool. So now you've decided that you're going to embrace that as an identity. And so now you're, when you do this, what you're saying is, well, I don't need to change this because this is just who I am. Right. And it just, now you've, you've given yourself kind of the green card. All right, well. I'm, I'm someone who gets angry easily. Don't, don't get me angry. Right. Instead of actually recognizing that, no, it's a problem. Um, you know, that we should practice patience. It's actually one of the things that is taught in, in Islam, um, and that we should work to change it. So identity is a very powerful thing. Is that something that actually, now that we're talking about this, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? And is it something that you actually speak about when you work with, uh, with your clients? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as you were sharing beautifully, uh, the uh, idea from atomic, uh, you know, taking things step by step. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about Muslim identity. What does that mean? And I was understanding that when someone turns Muslim, it's like uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, your sins are forgiven, you're clean slate, you're a Muslim. And if when someone comes to Islam, they'd be like, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. But Allah says, no, you're a Muslim you know you take that from day one you're forgiven you've taken the identity and that's what it is it's um when we say and muslim just means i've submitted to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know it's just it's the it's almost a state rather than an identity um and uh the, the power of identity then is that uh we we're like oh okay so we're part of that we're part of uh, uh the ummah we're part of a of a of a bigger group and that really helps us you know so a lot of the times in 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 the work that we do and people say um a lot of the times people say ali what do i call myself do i talk, call myself bisexual do i call myself gay how how you know when they're trying to navigate uh around the the attractions and i always say you know um it isn't in terms of sexuality it, is, it isn't something that needs an identity if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, considered it so essential in a um, in a human uh, to dictate an identity for their sexual preference he would have told us he would have said okay you know this is uh, this is how you do this. This concept of heterosexuality and homosexuality was in the 1900s. If you go um, before that, we didn't really have this uh, type of identity being marked with uh, a sexual attraction. But from a coaching perspective, definitely, uh, you know, if you're trying to learn something, if you're trying to um, advance into something, instead of saying I'm I'm trying to run. You're saying no, I'm a runner. You know, 
it doesn't matter if you're a beginner, uh, you're advanced, you're still a runner, you're, you're, um, you're, you're taking that. So I think identity is, is, is as you said, a very, very powerful uh, framing tool for us to, um, you know, I think we, we need to have an identity which brings a sense of belonging as, as human, we really need that sense of belonging. And if we feel that we're not, you know, uh, not within that identity, then it causes a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that brings off, uh, it brings on, you know, feelings of, uh, um, you know, feeling like you're kind of an outsider, feelings of guilt, feelings of shame, all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you for some, because we talked a lot about, you know, maybe the, the challenges um, that, that people are going through this might be facing and, you know, what could possibly lead up to this, um, some of the symptoms of this. I want to actually shift the conversation towards some solutions. And I want to talk about what are, you know, some ways that you help your clients. And I know we talked about that a little bit before we touched upon it, but I would really like to give some advice for someone listening to this who might know someone that's going through this challenge or they themselves might be going through a, a similar challenge, is there anything that we can tell them? Mm. Well, I think first thing which um, I tell everyone is that you're not alone. And it feels like it's a very isolating uh, experience to have. And it can feel like um, it's the hardest test which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has given you. But know that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever he does, he does for a really good reason. And if the way we look at the same-sex attraction is that there's some work which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking for you to do. So behind the same-sex attraction is a halal need for healthy emotional connection with the same sex. So with a lot of our clients, we see that they've had issue with the same-sex parent or same-sex pairs identifying uh, their inherent sense if they're a man uh, their masculinity and what it means what masculinity means to you know and when their their attraction helps them to say okay if i'm attracted to men which have a better body than me then what am i thinking about my body you know and am i equating uh body to masculinity you know um do healthy masculine men only have healthy bodies or can it be that you know people who are probably more focused on their bodies um have that sense of masculinity but masculinity isn't just visual right and again, I go back to the fact that as, as men, we are very, very visual. So uh, in, the, in the same way as we might say a beautiful woman is feminine, well, is that how we describe femininity? Um, and when we look at the concept of masculinity or we look at the concept of femininity and we look at the prophets, for example, and we look at their value system, you know, uh, there's only one thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at and that's taqwa. He doesn't look at our faces. He doesn't look at our uh, money. He doesn't look at all of these things. The only thing that he looks for is, is taqwa. So being uh, a, a woman or being a man of taqwa, what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of masculinity? Um, so the work that we do is has nothing to do with sex and sexuality. It has all to do with building that self-esteem. Clients show a huge amount of shame just for having the same-sex attraction. And it's really important that there's nothing wrong with the same-sex attraction. What what's, it's there for is to tell you that there's a deficit of same-sex love affirmation. So clients which come in, they really, really want affection, affirmation, um, and attention from other men because they just didn't get it when they were growing up. They didn't feel like they were one of the boys. They didn't feel like they always felt different. And that yearning is, you know, um, 
How many times did the Prophet talk about brotherhood? How many times does the Quran talks about, um, you know, Ikhwan um, or uh, the concept of uh, Muslims being brothers, the, the believers are brothers, for example. So if, um, if, if a boy grows up without the understanding that they're the same or has that sense of belonging with their uh, peers, then you find that because there's a conflict in the gender, there will then be a conflict in the sexuality. So it's going back uh, into childhood. It's going back into those early understandings of who we are, how we interact with the same sex. What values do we give to masculinity? Do we see masculinity as this six-pack, uh, white, blue-eyed uh, individual? Or do we see masculinity as a, a man with taqwa, you know, mm. and is comparing those two versions uh, of masculinity and then finding that, finding our own masculinity, finding that, you know, we are men, we are loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and experiencing that love from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, then helps us to see, oh, actually, the thing that we were trying to find is within us all along and and you know we're resolving um the shame and the guilt uh which the uh disconnect and the same sex attraction is is actually bringing mm. that was really beautiful brother thank you for sharing that um and again i'm just really grateful that you we have we have someone like yourself and brothers like uh, Abu Musa, as you mentioned, who are tackling these issues that many people are afraid to to tackle. Many people are afraid to talk about. Many people are afraid to share. And I want to commend you on your courage to you know come on these podcasts and to uh, share your own personal story as well, so you can share that you know this happens and people go through this, and it's not by avoiding talking about it that we're going to make it better. It's by actually talking about it and by actually providing a space for people who are going through this that we're able to make this better. Um, so alhamdulillah, I'm really glad to see that you're, uh, you know, we have Muslims like yourself, change makers like yourself in the community and the ummah who are, you know, building these amazing organizations and providing that, uh, that hashtag strong support, <laughs> which I, I had to say. <laughs> I love that. I love the name, mashallah. Um, so I want to ask you one question that I ask every single guest that comes on this podcast. Um, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice and, and, and you know, that, uh, you know, Adi's going to go through this journey where he's going to become an entrepreneur and he's going to build a strong support organization and he's going to help all of these people, inshallah. And you could, you could give him one piece of advice as he goes through this journey of entrepreneurship and, you know, finding himself and building this business. What would that be? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think the 18 me was uh, really, really ambitious, um, was very academic. Um, and I wanted to kind of, you know, um, reach the skies, you know, kind of do everything and, and, and do that. Um, and I, I think at that age, what I probably needed most to say was um you're loved you're not loved by your achievements you know so uh, if you get to the biggest university or you know you um you know you've achieved something no you you're just loved because you exist and because of who you are i think i probably needed that at that time uh to be less people pleasing and to affirm um affirm myself or to experience Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love um yeah I uh thank you very much for sharing that and um in the same spirit I want to share something that you've inspired me to share by by saying this um recently I've kind of been going through a little bit of a difficult period myself um just in terms of um you know uh entrepreneurship and business and we were facing a few challenges with an entrepreneur and um you know having to essentially rehire and um it, it's it's been it's been we had our instagram deactivated kind of randomly oh yeah yeah subhanallah so it was it was a little bit depressing <laughs> to be mm -hmm. honest um but uh you know we 
handle that we got it back and 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 things are going a little bit better now and inshallah they will continue to we will continue to recuperate and recover from this um uh, but one one thing that really really spoke to me yesterday and i would love to share this with you and with our listeners uh, on this podcast since we're having such a beautiful frank conversation i was listening to some quran uh, as i was driving yesterday and i and, and uh, specifically uh, surah al-sharh came on okay and uh, or some people call it surah al-inshirah okay and this mm-hmm. is a surah that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed to the prophet um, at a time where the prophet was being uh, essentially cast out from Quraysh and all, all his longtime friends and companions and the people that, you know, he trusted um, have turned their back against him. And, and, you know, they were mocking him and calling him names uh, because he came with the revelation, came with the revelation that, you know, to worship the one God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to not worship the idols. And so all of these people that were once his companions and that once loved him so much turned on him. And he felt, um, he, of course, he felt, you know, hurt by this. Um, and the surah came down to the Prophet uh, to console him from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I would like to, I would like to share it with you guys. Um, because uh, when I heard it yesterday, I've heard the surah many times before. I think hundreds of times, if not thousands of times before. But sometimes you listen to a surah in the right moment and it just hits yeah. different, you know? Yeah, so I, want, I would love to share that with you and, and with our listeners today. So it's a very short surah. So Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. So have we not uplifted your heart for you, O Muhammad? Wawadana anka wizrak. And we removed from you your burden. Alladhi anqadha dhahrak. Which had weighed upon your back. Warafa'na laka dhikrak. And we raised the high for you, your repute. And Subhanallah, this got me thinking, guys, just this one verse, but I'm going to pause here. وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet at this time, we raised the high for you, your repute, or we elevated your renown. And for the Prophet receiving this, you know, uh, it, it, was most, it was at a time where he was going through struggle where the Muslim Ummah was still very small at that point. Right? It was a very, very small number and he was being prosecuted and you know, um, all the people in his tribe were turning his backs away from him. But you read this now and you think about subhanAllah how the Prophet ﷺ, his name and prayers are sent upon him every single second, every single minute of the day. Prayers are sent upon the Prophet ﷺ from somewhere in the world constantly. And you read the surah and you think to yourself, subhanAllah, and I'm not a, I'm not a translator, guys, so don't take my word for it. But the way that I interpreted it, interpreted it subhanAllah, is that this surah was revealed to the Prophet um, in a time where, you know, the, the, his repute was, was, was damaged, right? He, he, was, mm. he was shunned and he was turned away. But Allah subhanAllah tells him, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ And you see today, just how subhanallah subhanallah we praise and pray upon the prophet every single minute every single second and he says subhanallah you know just the that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him that we have elevated elevated your status right uh subhanallah and, and that it, this verse came out of time where you know we of course he elevated his status as through prophethood but also now that you can see that just the status of the prophet muhammad within the ummah how many people billions of muslims um, you know, around the world um, that praise praise him and, and send salawat upon the Nabi sallallahu yusra. So surely with hardship comes ease. yusra. Surely with that hardship comes ease. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats it twice. And it's as if like once is not enough. You know, it's not enough to tell you once. yusra. I'm reassuring you. yusra. I'm reassuring you twice that will hardship with hardship there will be ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reassuring us twice. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never reveals any verse in the Quran without a purpose, right? And there is a purpose behind this repetition. So when you have finished your duties, when you have fulfilled your duty, then stand for worship. And to your Lord direct your longing. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, direct your longing. That longing that you feel, that emptiness in your heart. If you feel like you went through a certain challenge and you feel misunderstood and you feel like you are not loved, you are not recognized right now, 
like you are going through something in your life and that no one understands what you're going through, that's okay. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala understands what you're going through. And to your Lord, direct your longing. And I listened to this yesterday and it just hit different, man. SubhanAllah. Like I was like, even now I'm getting emotional uh, sharing this. But I like, I, I was like, wow, subhanAllah. Sometimes you listen to these surahs and you know, you're just, it's just in the background. You don't even, you don't even notice, mm. you know, what God is, what God is telling you. But it's such a beautiful it's, surah, man. It's so beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful, as you said, yeah. you know. Uh, it, it reminds me the fact that as you're saying that his uh, he's in disrepute or you know he's been kicked out and yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala views it absolutely differently and um, you know so many times we've we've had that where um, w- you know we have this uh, uh, our word being misunderstood or for example Uma Pranair being for whatever reason being misunderstood in in in, in the work that you're doing and um, and it always reminds me that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy with you, if, if, you're, if you're doing everything according to your knowledge and, you know, you're, you're staying by the halal, then you have nothing to be afraid of because you've got mm-hmm. the best of support. You've got Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beautifully mentions, we've expanded your breast. We've given that relief to, to the Prophet. Um, and that um, his one-to-one najwa or his conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how beautiful that language Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses um, makes us see that everyone can have that one-to-one relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while the world might be seeing us in a completely different lens uh, there's always Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows everything and he knows the truth. And after every difficulty, uh, there there will be ease. The Prophet didn't live a life of luxury, of ease. So if the Prophet didn't live it, why do we think we are going to live a life of, of, of ease? Yeah. SubhanAllah, 100%, man. And, and you know, that also is something that I'm thinking about is that I'm, I, I swear it's like I'm, we're, but we're conditioned as human beings to think that we we would and we do and mm-hmm. why why are we why are we conditioned as human beings to think that we are living we're gonna live this beautiful easy breezy merry life like why why is it that every person that is going through challenges feels so alone and feels like they they don't understand why and it's almost like. You know, it it really is crazy because even for myself, like I have this subhanAllah and I caught myself in that trap, bro. Like I, the other, um, you know, I, I, as we were going through this, I'm like, why do I, I'm reading about mm-hmm. like, for example, the story of Yusuf, um, mm-hmm. you know, alayhi salam. Um, and you know how, how Yusuf, um, alayhi salam, um, you know, also he was imprisoned, right? And uh, he was cast out by his brothers and sisters, right? He was left in the well, and then he ended up being in prison for a number of years. And, you know, his father went blind from sadness. And we know, we know how just, uh, uh, you know, all the challenges that uh, Prophet Yusuf has went through, right? SubhanAllah. Um, mm. or, 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 you know, every single prophet that we know, every story that we know, when you think even of um, uh, Prophet Ibrahim, right? How he had to leave his, uh, his wife, um, uh, Hajar, uh, and, and, and he had to leave her right uh, where she ended up, you know, doing those uh, back and forths between uh, Safa and Marwa, right? And, and finally finding the well of Zamzam and all these beautiful stories. But all of these stories are what? They're not stories of rising in high status and rising to yeah. luxury and, you know, living these these easy breezy lives. These are the chosen people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are the people that have received the revelation and we are, subhanAllah, like we are like just like nobodies, bro. And and we for some reason expect like, yeah, man, it's gonna be easy breezy for me. But why? If it was if it was oh, so, like hard the whole way through for the chosen people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why would it not be hard for us? Why would it not be challenging for us? And why do we always fall into the trap of thinking that it would be? You know, subhanAllah, man, it's just uh it's an interesting thought, bro. It's an interesting thought. Absolutely, definitely. yeah. I, it was it, even in, in my own, uh, you know, work with myself. I was like, okay, it's until I can see the musibah as a blessing, you know, the calamity as a blessing, 
then I'm able to go forward. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you will not attain taqwa until you give from what you love. So, and you know, it says in Surah Baqarah, so if, if, we, if we love this dunya, if we love this world, then that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tests us. He says, okay, you want fame, you want the recognition, I'm going to take that away and I'm going to see if you're still going to come back to me, if you're, if yeah. you're still yeah. going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this very, very well yeah. in terms of what we love. And he, he yeah. tests us based on what we love because he knows. Uh, I think this point is really important that if you're tested with something, then you have the capability to pass the test because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises that he does not burden a soul more than it can bear. So if you're going mm-hmm. through any struggle, know that you will come out of that struggle. As you said, the verse says, there is ease mm-hmm. after the difficulty. And mm-hmm. that difficulty is there for you to grow. You know, I, I know in my um, struggle, I would not have automatically gone to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all if I hadn't struggled. You know, I was very, you know, attached to the dunya i would have i wouldn't really have had this view of um of seeing difficulties as blessings you know it takes mm-hmm. a very different perspective to to um to to reach at that level um because if if you think that okay if allah's pleased with me or i'm getting that itminan you know, that is indescribable. You can't really describe the itmanan. You get that internal peace you get uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, if I'm getting that and I'm congruent with my beliefs and I'm values, I'm not in in outside of that. Um, and and that's what we need. And people try to find the itmanan in this life. And Allah hasn't created the itminan in this in this life. There isn't, you know, we're we're here for a temporal stage. Um, and people try to find something in this life which which isn't which isn't there. So when we look at the Anbiya and we look at the stories and we uh, we look at how uh, they are content, you know, they they're, they're pleased with Allah no matter what happens to them. Because they know that our Creator is so generous that in the end, He, um, we will say, "Oh, Allah, that musibah you gave us, oh, it was good for us." You know, at the end of the day, oh, you probably shouldn't given us more musibah, so we got more reward. <laughs> you know, uh, later on. So, uh, but it, it it takes. You know, we we are insan, so an insan always likes uh, ease. We like. You know, we're we're zaif. You know, as the Quran yeah. says. Um, so, so yeah, very, very beautiful share, shared there. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for coming on, brother. This was a, a beautiful conversation that is, is, uh, is one that many people need to hear. Um, and I really hope that people will take the time to listen to this. We'll take the time to listen to it fully and understand it and share it with others and, you know, be open to talking more about these topics even within our families, uh, within our communities, within our masajids and our mosques. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, and I, I know for sure I experienced that in my mosque, but you go to the mosque and it's, yes, we have these, these important reminders, but they're generally always the same, right? They're always the same reminders and the same stories. And I think maybe sometimes it would be beneficial for us to talk about some issues that our current generation is going through, issues where they are exposed so much to same-sex lust and it's normalized and issues where they are you know uh, s- uh, subjected to so much pornography you know all over the place on instagram TikTok, like i mean on social media right um mm. you know issues that you know the young are facing and they're not really talked about and so what do they do what are the places of support that they go to so hopefully with this they will have somewhere to go um where can people go to support you to to actually you know be part of your programs inshallah or to benefit from what it is that you're doing if someone is listening to this they want to share this resource with with someone they know with a friend or even benefit from it themselves where can we tell them to go so we we offer a 30 minute free consultation to everyone across Mm -hmm. the world 
um, uh, you can go to strongsupport.co.uk, um, uh, fill in the form, um, uh, and uh, we, you know, you can access uh, this help. Uh, you can email me, uh, ali at strongsupport.co.uk, um, if you need any support. Um, you know, uh, anything which is kind of discussed today, pornography, same-sex attraction, or even, you know, um, transgender is, is a big thing at the moment where people are mm. confused with their gender identity. Um, so, so don't, you, you know, uh, don't be afraid. And I think, uh, you know, to piggyback on, on what you've said that the massage, what I experienced was until I created strong support and so on, then the imams could talk about the issue because there was support mechanisms. You know, first I used to say, why doesn't the imam talk about it? Because we didn't create support mechanisms for Muslims. And then I realized, ah, the speakers can only talk about it if there is a support mechanism for it. So if you do see like, uh, you've gone through a difficult challenge in life. It can be same-sex lust. It can be uh, other thing. Please help the community out. Start something. Do something. When you create that change, it will, it, you know, it will have an effect. And um, then, if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has blessed you with some type of change, and you want to help people who are stuck, you know, in what you went through then that's how you can bring change. You know, the verse which we use so many times, Allah doesn't change a community until it brings that change themselves. Allah's already changed our lives. Allah's brought a lot of change. Let's give that to the community. Let's start giving that back, you know, like what brother, uh, you know, your brother, what you're doing at the moment is fantastic. We don't have... Um, uh, we don't have the idea of Muslim entrepreneurship. We don't realize that, um, say, the Khadija Salamalaya was an entrepreneur, you know, and then mm -hmm. she basically funded Islam. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for her wealth, Islam, you know, that time when um, uh, the Prophet had nothing in Surah Al Inshira when he was in uh, the cave of Abu Talib, it was her wealth that kept him during that time. And if it weren't for her in entrepreneurship at that time, Islam wouldn't wouldn't have spread. And the best of um, things is tajara. The best of jobs is um, to, to work. So may Allah bless your uh, organization. And I encourage people who have achieved success who to give back to the Muslim community um, and even even on these very difficult topics like pornography, same-sex lust, that uh, because there is a big need in, 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 in the community and all of us can help, inshallah. Mm -hmm. Inshallah ta'ala. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Jazakallah khairan. I uh, really appreciated everything that you shared with us today. And um, again, I, I've said it many times before, but I really do pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, allows this message uh, to spread uh, to the ummah, the, the message that you are you are putting out there, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the people who are struggling with these challenges to find your organization and to be able to benefit from it and get the help that they need instead of feeling left alone, feeling like they were cast out and feeling like they have nowhere to go, and then ending up leaving Islam and, 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 and completely breaking their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they had no recourse and nowhere to go and no support system. So I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, continue to grant you barakah in this journey, continue to grant you the ability to do the work that you're doing and to spread it across the world to all the people who need it most. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, give you the strength and the patience and the resilience that you need, Brother Ali, as an entrepreneur to continue to run this organization successfully. And we all know as entrepreneurs, we definitely need a lot of that. Um, so really just kudos to you, man. And, and thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It was a beautiful one. Jazakallah khair. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, man. And for those of you who are still listening here, if you're a loyal listener that have, that has, uh, you know, tuned in all the way to the end, well, 
number one, I really appreciate you. Uh, and Jazakallah khair for listening to this podcast. And number two, um, if you would like to show us your support as well on this podcast for bringing on guests like Brother Adi, for talking about these various topics that we bring on and these amazing businesses that so many Muslims are building, um, then please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and rate it to show us your support. Give us a little rating, a little comment. We read every single one. And of course, follow us on your favorite social platform just by searching Omarpreneur. You should be able to find us, inshallah, on, on most platforms. Uh, and if you'd like help with starting your own business, you're thinking about entrepreneurship uh, and you'd like some support there, you can always book a call with us as well. The link is omarpreneur.com slash call. We'll speak, we'll speak to you to understand where your goals are and how we can help, inshallah. And there will be the link for strong support in the comments, in the description and episode notes. So please go ahead and make sure to also follow them, check them out and share, uh, share that resource with everyone that you know so more people can benefit, inshallah. Um, whosoever spreads goodness, then goodness will come to them, inshallah. And with that, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa